Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. You know, uh, some, sometimes you're the bird and sometimes you're the breeze. And my heart is, is that whenever you come to church, whether it's on a Sunday morning or an evening or a midweek service, um, you'd feel the breeze of the Holy Spirit lift within you. You know, the week in life can sometimes have, do a great job of taking the breeze away from us. All sorts of unknown things as we walk into the week ahead of us. And I always want to make sure that when you're sitting in this room, you feel the lift of the Holy Spirit inside of you, like a yacht catching the breeze and its sails. You know, your spirit is designed to catch the breeze of the Holy Spirit. And um, I know this morning that you're going to feel the Holy Spirit lift you and um, breathe fresh life into you. And you're going to go out of church and out of the presence of God, soaring um, to new heights, seeing new things from a different perspective. One of the greatest things that happens in the presence of God when we get the lift is that we see things differently. We can come in like down here and maybe we're looking down and maybe a bit burdened and a bit worn out. And as the Holy Spirit breathes into us, we find ourselves lifting up and the high you get the more you see and perspective can change everything down here what can seem like a really big problem when you when you get up and out of it you realize it's not so bad that we are going to make it through that we are going to be okay that the marriage is going to work out the business is going to work out and the Holy Spirit wants to lift us up and out of things so that we may see and like he says that we would soar as on the wings of eagles and it speaks of great perspective great sight clear vision and sometimes it just gets muddied Thinking gets muddied, clarity gets muddied, and I know this morning you're going to feel a lift of the Holy Spirit in you if you haven't already, because that worship set was just so fantastic. I love that new song. But uh, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit is not a thing, it is a person. You are a person. The great third piece of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your presence in this church this morning, that you're here to speak to us. You're here to encourage us. You're here to bring us insight and revelation. So I pray that as we gather around your word, you would breathe life into us. You'd open our eyes, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. So, uh, the title of this morning's message is Catch the Fox. I had such a great time in the previous service, and I think it's going to be even better this service. Catch the Fox. If you're taking notes, just write Catch the Fox. Songs of Songs says this in 2.15. It says, Catch for us the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes, the unseen foxes, the sneaky foxes that seek to get in and spoil something. They seek to get in and disrupt and antagonize and stir up and mess up. Catch the foxes that sneak in to ruin the vineyards. And the, the, the picture, the illustration of the vineyards in this is when they're, when they're when they're not like the winter vineyard where it's like dead. You're like, well, it's dead anyway. Just, you know, <laughs> go on, Fox, have a field day. No, it's talking about when the, when the vines are thick with leaves and heavy with fruit. 
when you can smell, you know, the scent of new wine in the air, when you're anticipating a new season, when you're anticipating a harvest, when you're anticipating a breakthrough, when, when the labor is over and the toil is done of pruning and training and, and growing the, the grape. It's a picture of when, when the harvest season is right there, when, when you can taste the grapes, when you can smell the grapes. And this is the context where the scripture is written there, catch, for the, catch the fox that's is trying to sneak in and spoil the fruit, that's trying to spoil the labor, that's trying to undo the hard work, that's trying to undo what has been disciplined, undo what has been focused, undo what has been toiled and labored for, that small fox is trying to sneak in and steal the harvest. It's trying to pull the grapes off the vine. It's trying to damage what has been guarded and protected for, you know, an entire season of anticipation. So this is the illustration we have in Songs of Songs that the fox is trying to sneak in and rob the fruit. It's trying to sneak in and spoil the harvest. It's trying to sneak in and undermine and and get through, you know, the fence of your life, the fence of your thinking, the fence of your emotions the fence of your spirituality. He wants to get in there and rob the fruit of your marriage. He wants to get in there and rob the fruit of your business, rob the fruit of your thinking, rob the fruit of your relationships. So this morning, we're going to catch the fox. This morning, the fox is no longer going to be given permission or no longer going to be given access or no longer be given, you know, a a right of passage into the, the fields of our thinking. No longer is it going to be allowed to infiltrate and, and steal and, and, and seek to disrupt and dislodge and, and de-beautify the beautiful life that you have. It's like preparing for a long trip. Not a trip, a tramp. I'm not much of a walker. I normally walk to the dairy and back. But some of you in the room may be like trampers. Like you go, I just, there's people in the, the previous service, James and Laurel are probably these kind of people. And they're like, oh, yeah, we once went on like, I think it was like a 160 kilometer tramp. It was like the number was preposterous. I'm like, you actually walked that far? Like, yeah, yeah, we got some blisters on our feet. I'm like, oh, man. Like that was hardcore. But, you know, when you go for a tramp, and I did some in school, you get this pack and you try, you like lift it off the ground, and it's so heavy. But once you kind of pick it up and, and wrangle it onto your back and, and, and clamp it up and, and, you know, clip it all up, that thing's actually designed to fit you. And it's got padded straps, and, and, it's, and it's well engineered that you're kind of balanced on your feet. And I remember going on these tramps through school thinking, I'm never going to be able to carry that pack. Like, it's so heavy. But once I'd positioned the pack where it was designed to be, I found that I was able to, to, to burden this load for like hour upon hour upon hour with, with surprising ease. Sure, it was heavy, but there was ease in it because it was designed with strategy and intention to be carried. And many of us in life are carrying heavy weights We're carrying businesses, we're carrying marriages, we're carrying family responsibilities, we're carrying, you know, dreams in our hearts, and they they have weight attached to them, but it's it's a good weight, it's a healthy weight, it's a like, it's a this is good for me weight, I'm, I'm shouldering the burden of a vision or the burden of a family, the burden of a marriage. And you can do it day after day, week after week, because we're actually designed 
to carry a yoke. Like even Jesus said, take my yoke upon me. It's easy and it is light, but there's still a, there's still a yoke to take upon us. It's not the heavy pack that makes a trip difficult. It's not a heavy pack that, that spoils the trip. It's not a heavy pack that makes the way difficult and burdensome. It's the stone in the end of your boot. And it's the small fox amongst the vineyard that seeks to spoil our life, that seeks to spoil our thinking just as going on a, a heavy journey, as great as it is planned and as well as your bag is packed and as well thought through each stop as if you're trying to make your journey with a stone in your boot, what started off as a walk will soon become a limp and what turns into a limp will become like a genuine hobble and what turns into a hobble will eventually become a standstill because you can only make it so far with a stone in your boot. The small stone in comparison to the huge pack is of insignificance, but positioned in the right place in the end of your boot, it will cause you no end of trouble. And a small fox in, in, the, in the scope, in the size of a vineyard, it may seem insignificant, but what just starts off as a, a little fox, what just starts off as a little distraction, what just starts off as a little you know, shift of focus. What starts off in a ship is just a slight change of course, if not corrected, if not dealt with, can end up missing the island completely. It, the stone in the end of the boot can be the difference between getting to the, the hut, getting to the next stop, or not making it at all. And the difference between a harvest or no harvest can simply be a little fox. And the difference between having a good night's sleep and not can just be a little thought. Or the difference between a healthy marriage and not can just be a little distraction. The difference between a healthy business and not can just be a, a little bit of misplaced integrity. Just, just a little fox that, that, that sneaks in. The difference between you living your, your best life and not can, can just be a little fox. So today we're going to catch the fox. Don't leave church with a fox. We were sitting in our office, I think it was last year sometime, having a meeting about, you know, church stuff. And we're all sitting around there and we're reasonably focused, as focused as we get. And uh, we're talking about stuff, you know, the couch and the chairs and the table. And it's going, it's going pretty well. To uh, one person, I can't remember who that person was, Briley. It was Briley. She can remain nameless. Um, <laughs> Briley, who is not in the room, looks across, and if you know our office is that corner office, and it's got the, the net curtains on the, um, on the windows, and she looks across, and on the, the window side of the curtain, about halfway up, the curtain is a mouse. Just climbing up the curtain and once one person you know you know when you're in a room and someone's attention disappears or gets reattached on something else all of everyone else's does as well and then the whole room is staring at a mouse climbing up the inside of the curtain and what unfolded from that point was sheer chaos there was screaming there was leaving the room there was you know sudden movements and that was just me and Ryan you know and then the, the girls were like we were out the door and, and the girls were hot on our tail 
But, um, you know, as, as cute as that mouse was and as little and gray and fluffy and as probably terrified and as frightened as that mouse was, it caused a world of chaos in our meeting. So what happened from there was a, was a search and destroy mission for the tiny little gray mouse. And Ryan and I turned the office upside down until we caught that mouse and humanely anesthetized it. We did not tag and release it. We did not set the little mouse politely free into the garden to then return the next day to my couch because I knew if that little mouse was not dealt with properly, we'd never be able to have a good meeting going forward because there'd always be the question in someone's mind, where is the mouse now? Like, is the, the door, the gap under our door is huge. Like, is the mouse like under my seat? Is the mouse behind me? Is the mouse about to climb across my foot? Nothing could go forward well until we caught the mouse. And today, I want to encourage you and help you to catch the fox or catch the mouse in your thinking that your life may go well forward from here. That you don't have to, to live with the, the, well, maybe it'll come back or, or maybe it's just lurking right there. Maybe it's about, at any moment, something's about to pop out and, and, and get me. But we had to catch the mouse. It was so cute, it was so afraid, it was so incredibly small and helpless and harmless, but it was so incredibly disruptive. And we had to get rid of it because one mouse inevitably turns, it in, turns into two. And two mice will definitely turn into three. And three mice, you know, will bring a whole plague into your house and into your couch and into your office. And it doesn't make for easy meetings, and it, it doesn't make for easy living, easy leading, easy businesses, easy marriages, when we have mice living in our couches, or small foxes living in our vineyards, or small worries living in our heads. Don't live with a head full of foxes, all running around up in here, doing flips and spinning loops and turning things over. Because what starts off as one has a habit of becoming many. And what starts off as small will only grow. And what was once an occasional has a habit of becoming frequent. And what was once dormant will become active. So don't give away your mental real estate for foxes to build homes. Don't put up for lease in your head. Don't put up for lease in your thinking. Don't put up in your mind situations vacant. You need to establish boundaries in your thinking. Establish parameters for your thoughts to operate within. And catch the foxes when they turn up. And deal with them, be it ever so severely. Because your life is worth it. Your marriage is worth it. Your business is worth it. Your peace is worth it. You don't need to go through life in trouble. Go through life in peace. That does not mean trouble-free living, but that means peaceful living. That even though I walk through the valley, even though I'm in the storm, even though Lazarus is in the tomb, life is on its way. God is going to work all things out for the good of those who love Him. Don't give away mental real estate for foxes to build homes. 
because they have friends. And if they have a home, they'll invite them over. The worry will invite anxiety. And anxiety invites dread to come over for a cup of tea. And dread says, well, I'll bring fear with me because we're already hanging out. And then shame says, well, I can't miss out on a party, so I'm going to join in on what's going on. And before you know it, you've got this massive party going on in your thinking. And you can be like, where did this thought come from? Where did this habit come from? Where did this idea come from? Where did, how did I end up thinking this way? It's because a small fox got in. So today, we're going to catch the fox and ask yourself this question. Are your thoughts living in the wrong neighborhood? Are your thoughts living in the wrong neighborhood? So here we go. In the next few minutes, I will teach you how to build a very simple but very effective fox trap to help all of us catch our metaphorical fox. I think you've figured out by now I'm talking about a metaphorical fox, not an actual fox. But if you're still on the fence, there's no actual fox in your head. You know, you'd have ginger hair like, come in. Oh, that was a terrible example of, you, you know, sorry. You know what fox is like. Anyway, so we're going to go to our Bibles. God, help us. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything. You should have this highlighted in your Bible, underlined. You should have this plastered on your mirror or somewhere that you look um, regularly. So if you're a guy, you know, it's in the car magazine or something like that. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to be God. Why would Paul write to the Philippian church to not be anxious about anything? Probably because they were anxious about something. Because he understands humanity. He understood leadership. Whether, you know, when he was talking a, a church context, but the context applies to business leadership, to marriage leadership, to family leadership, to you know, leading in a community environment, to not be anxious about anything. And this is a wonderful scripture for me because every time I read it, I seem to find myself with an instant application for it. This topic has been a fox in my life and was a fox in my life, causing all sorts of havoc in my sleep. I'd lie in bed feeling tired but staring at the ceiling because there's a fox jumping hoops through my thinking. What about this? Have you done this? Haven't you done that? What about this person? When I was working as a mechanic, did you do up that hose? Did you tighten up that thing? Did you? And my thoughts would start unraveling before me. It would get into my leadership. It would get into my work. It would get into my relationships. And the sneaky fox crept in like a mist under the door. Just ever so subtly. It didn't come in announced with a flag. You know, here I am. I'm the fox. Here I am. I'm anxiety. Just that, you know, I'm coming your way just so you can prepare for when I arrive. I am coming to visit you. It's not how it works. If that was how it worked, we would probably wouldn't need ourselves for scriptures that said, be anxious for nothing. Because it kind of creeps into our life. Little foxes worked their way in without me seeing it, started to mess up my vineyard. 
And I don't want to generalize or assume, but I would confidently say that we are all stalked by the worry fox in some way, shape, or form. And some of us, even while we're here in this great environment, the worry fox is in our heads. We're trying to worship Jesus. And this is why we sing songs in church, because it gives us a language that often we don't have for ourselves. It puts in front of us a new thought, a new language. You're a good God. He's not a bad God. He's a good God. You're never going to let me down. You're the God of the setup. We, he gives us, a, we put in front of ourselves a language and a thought that is counter often to how we feel when we turn up. And even some of you, as you did turn up and through worship and through the great offering message, and even in my sermon now, the fox is jumping on the trampoline in your thoughts. Bounce, 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 bounce. So we're going to catch it this morning. When I read my Bible, sometimes I find keys. And we love keys because keys open, offer, you know, open doors and open opportunities. Single pieces of scripture that unlock revelation and solutions and answers. And it's wonderful when it happens. But what happens more often when I read scripture is I build traps. I, I build traps constructing scripture upon scripture. I use the scripture to build habits into my life, routines, systems, character and lifestyle that are going to protect me from the fox. Don't read your Bible reactively. Read your Bible proactively. Like I've got trouble, I need to go to my Bible. Do that, definitely. Please do that. But also, when you're not in trouble, read your Bible because it's fortifying your life. It's building your life upon an unshakable foundation. Sometimes when the problem is upon us, it's never too late, but it can be a little late. And read the Bible proactively, not reactively. Yes, go to it in a time of crisis. Yes, go to it in a time of trauma and God will speak to you. Without a shadow of a doubt. But as Christians and as believers, we need to use the Scripture to fortify our life, to build traps around ourselves so we can actually see things for what they are. We see the fox coming. I know what you are. And I know how to deal with you. I know how to trap you. I know how to take you out of my thinking. Even if it does get through the defense, even if it does manage to sneak past you can identify it and you've got scriptures built into your life that have taught you how to deal with it. Like the thief only comes to kill, steal and destroy. He's a little fox. He's a little mouse. But Jesus said, oh, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And he's the lion. He just devours it, eats it up. And he is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The lion well, he was the lamb, I suppose, at that stage. But he was died the lamb and he was resurrected the lion. Come on. And I don't see people taken out of faith, out of ministry, marriages and friendships and families and out of the church because they had a key to an open door. I see people taken out because they don't have traps to catch the sneaky fox. Things that started off as a little offense, as a little, you know, wound in their soul as a, as a little, you know, 
half-truth, as a, as a little, it's, oh, you know, it's only one week, and it's only two weeks, and it's only a month, and it's only, I haven't been to church for six months. It's, it's because they haven't set traps, they haven't used the Scripture and built into their life systems and, and, and knowledge and revelation that is going to fortify them and look after them. But you're not those people, because you're smarter than that, and you're going to set traps in your life to catch the sneaky, deceptive fox. Great vision cannot be built upon poor character. And if it is, it will often end in a disastrous and public fashion. That's what Jesus was mentioning when he said, whoever builds his life upon the rock, when the storms come and when the wind blows, that won't fall down with a crash. Whatever builds their life upon a sand, the soft, shaky, unstable foundation, the same storm is going to hit the same house. We cannot entertain the small fox. We cannot, for the sake of being humane or politically correct or wanting to avoid conflict and hurt feelings, let things live in our lives that in the end will turn around and attack us. There's relationship difficulties you need to deal with. There's emotional things you need to deal with. There's people you need to talk to and sort things out with. Otherwise, the fox may just sort you out. And for me, Philippians 4, the scripture I've just shared, helped me build a trap for a fox that had stalked me my entire life. Anxiety was always with me. It hid in the shadows in my quiet times. While I was trying to read my Bible, while I was trying to pray, there was this distraction, this intimidation, this worry, this fear. As I pastored people, I would lurk in the mist, bringing fogginess to my thinking. I'd see its beady red eyes stare back at me while I was preaching, bringing doubt and, and you know, the who do you think you are spirit. What do you think you're doing? I know who you are. I know where you come from. You see, but I know where I'm going. I'm following Jesus. And this thing, it, it would tell me any moment your world's going to fall apart. Any moment it's just going to, that, that thread of the jumper is going to just go yank and you're just going to end up with a ball of wool on the floor. And it got in, but the scripture got in me as well and it knitted me back together. It knitted God's fabric, God's word, God's strength, God's character. And I am not perfect. Listen, I'm not like I've made it, but I've identified the fox that is one that keeps seeming to come knocking on my door. And I've built a trap in my life to help me identify it and deal with it. And he says in Philippians 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things pray and be thankful. What happens when we pray? When we begin to pray, we begin to see who God is. We pray, I thank you, Lord, that you're our Father in heaven. I thank you, God, that you're above all things. I thank you, God, that you're the Alpha and the Omega, that you're the beginning and the end. I thank you, God, that you work all things out for the good of those who love you. I thank you, God, that you're for me, not against me. We begin to see who God is. And when we see who God is, we are so grateful that he is God and we are not. And in that moment, we trap the fox because God's divinity collides with our humanity. And in that moment of fear, that moment of anxiety, that moment of worry, when we just apply the simple words that Paul said, do not be anxious, do not give in right now to your dominant thought. 
Do not give in right now to the maybe the thought you've had your entire life. Do not give in right now to the loudest voice, to the strongest voice. Do not give in. Do not give way to anxiety. Do not be anxious, but begin to pray. Begin to envelop your world with God's will. Begin to lift up your eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and of the earth. And as we go to prayer, as we push in to that place, and man, it can be so hard sometimes, can't it? Like to pick up your Bible, to open it, to, to utter the first words of, of prayer can be really difficult. But as we go there, we start to trap those thoughts, all the loose thoughts. They come into submission under God's divinity. The, the wayward thoughts, the troubling thoughts, they have to submit to the divinity of God in our life. And as we push into this place, we find that our humanity collides with God's divinity, that our brokenness collides with his wholeness, that our trouble collides with his peace, that our storm collides with his voice, that our death collides with his life, that our trouble, our shame, our brokenness, everything in us that we despise collides with the approval of God and he envelops us. His divinity, his divinity consumes our humanity. And we surrender to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in that moment, the fox is ransomed. Even maybe years of misbelief, years of you're nothing, you're nobody, you'll never amount to anything, you're a loser, I don't even, you know, we don't even know why we had you. Lies that parents have spoken and lies that teachers and authority figures have spoken into us. As we pray, as we get the Word of God in us, God's divinity captures our humanity. And it's the most beautiful collision. The broken meeting the whole. Oh, the lost meeting the Savior. The prodigal embraced by the Father. God's divinity getting our humanity. Not with rebuke, not with how could you, not with why did you, not with why didn't you but I understand you. And you're more important than your thoughts. You're more important than your mistakes. You're more important than your shortfallings. You're more important than all those foxes that are trying to undo you. God is going to redo you. He is going to redo you. Because what the devil intended for evil, God is going to work out for good. And it's the greatest setup you've ever seen. If they knew who Jesus Christ was, they would have never hung him on the cross. It was the greatest setup in all humanity. The moment Jesus Christ breathed his last on the cross, we breathed our first. Because his divinity collided with our humanity. And he caught the fox, that devil, that serpent. And what I did with the mouse, he did with the devil. He may have bruised his heel, but he crushed 
him under his foot. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.